This is Jezology. It's a real science, honestly. Not just a podcast of me talking about me. Or, or maybe it is. It's Jezology. Hello, and welcome to episode three of series one of Jezology. My name is Jeremy Johnson, and I am, amongst other things, a singer songwriter, sporadic adventurer travel writer and former professional geoscientist. This first series of Jezology is a collection of some of my favourite adventure and travel stories that I've experienced and written about. There will be a written version of all of these stories that I will post on my website at jeremyjohnson.co.uk. Much of the music I write as a singer-songwriter comes directly from the things I've seen, experienced and learnt on my travels. And for me, both writing and music offer different but complementary ways to express and consider these life lessons. There are six biographical stories from adventures I've had in this series of Jezology, and they will be accompanied in each episode by a short introduction to explain a little more about the context and timing. Thanks very much for tuning in to listen to this podcast. I hope giving these stories a listen gives you as much pleasure as it did for me experiencing and writing about them. If you like what you hear, do check out my writing and music at jeremyjohnson.co.uk where you'll find tour dates, merchandise and links to all my creative spaces. My name is Jeremy Johnson and this is episode 3 of series 1 of Jezology entitled Snow Clue. In winter 2019, I decided to head out to the French Alps with Greeny, my self-converted campervan, and see if I could make it in the apres ski scene as a musician. This episode of Jezology follows a few stories from that adventure, living in my van on the edge of a big snowy cliff, both physically and metaphorically. Jezza, it's a stupid idea. You're going to freeze. I'm holding a kind of gormless smile in the direction of my well-meaning friend. I'm imagining I look like someone who was hoping they wouldn't hear this sort of prediction the first week they arrive in the French Alps, but is also dim enough to choose to reject this sage advice. Look, there's a flat down the valley. It's a good price. Just take it. It's going to be minus 10 this season and you'll freeze. I'm going to be honest here and say this isn't the first time I've done something that has been forewarned by people close to me. But then this is my fundamental problem. I've always managed to scrape through ludicrous plans. I am fully aware, however, that one day I may live to prove a friend right in a disastrous manner. When I arrived in Les Trois Vallées on the 16th of December 2019, I'd already been living in Van for 18 months. I was comfortable with the idea of spending four months in the Alps, living out of my tiny home, but there was one glaring difference that was still very much an unknown. The cold. There is also one glaring solution, I hear you cry. A heater. You are so right, of course. And had I had the time and the money to install an offshoot to my cooking gas tank, this story would probably be a lot less interesting. As it happens, I did not. So I was facing an alpine winter season at the mercy of unpredictable Central European meteorology. So here I was, day one at 1600 metres, ready to tackle a simple list of requirements that would seem almost trivial to the home dweller. It went a little like this. Parking. Where on earth do I put my van? I had considered this prior to arriving in the Alps, and I thought I would park in some free parking in a resort further up the valley, within walking distance of the local sports centre. That way, I could get up every morning, hit the gym, 
conduct my daily ablutions, and take a shower. This would conveniently tick off a number of other important bullet points on my list, where to poo and how to get clean. This felt like such a slick plan, I was almost proud of myself, until on arrival at the sports centre, they flatly refused to sign me up until I could prove I was working. Given the natural excretive cycle of a mere number of hours, this news was not welcome. It would seem sensible at this point to mention why on earth I decided to do this in the first place, and conveniently, the rather suspicious and intimidating sports centre receptionist may have piqued your interest. I was in the Alps as a punt. Van life had coincided with my attempt at becoming a full-time freelance musician. I was in the Alps to play music. The only slight problem was I didn't really have many clients yet, and therefore my ability to defecate freely was seemingly now being put under threat. In the meantime, I had stumbled upon a little luck. In a small ski village lower down the valley was a bubble lift car park. I had planned on frequenting this car park as a means to going skiing and snowboarding when I had time, but lo and behold, the local council placed a temporary toilet block in one of the bays. To my utter disbelief, not only was this block heated, it was also left open 24 hours a day. My dignity had been saved. It did take a week or so to prove my credentials to the sports centre, but eventually I was set. Multiple car parks, showers, a gym, and toilets. Call me a simple man, but I was in heaven. I'd been in the Alps for a couple of weeks, and Christmas was upon us. Up until that point, it had been a remarkably warm start to the season, with temperatures hovering nicely above freezing. Old St Nick arrived and brought some snow to the valley, and I had my first taste of minus numbers. To my surprise, it was remarkably comfortable. Having experienced van life in cold British weather in the past, I knew how difficult it could be on self-esteem, and this had been a concern of mine heading out to the Alps. I hadn't taken into consideration two critical factors, however. High up in the mountains, the air is so dry, the cold doesn't penetrate you in the same way as a humid cold. Another factor that surprised me was when it's sunny in the Alps, the sun has power. A lower latitude and being up in the mountains often meant that it simply didn't feel like the dark, gutless northern European winters I was used to. I was finding the cold far less of a problem than I ever expected. I wouldn't want to speak too soon, but I was growing quietly confident that this ludicrous plan might work out. Following the holiday period, I'd started to book more and more work, and I'd found my rhythm with some of the consistent pub and bar gigs each week. I'd even been approached by a luxury chalet company to play some private gigs for their clients. Playing music for pissed up ski bums and tourists had become a comfort zone, but there was something about the concept of a private chalet lounge gig that was both intriguing and terrifying in equal measure. I arrived in the resort in a solid blizzard. My van was on the limit, struggling for traction on the snow-covered roads. There is a moment, two to three hours after snowfall, where alpine roads become hideous. It was not helping my zen calm I was trying to generate before playing acoustic music to a roomful of guests paying £40,000 for a week's skiing. I arrived to a beautiful, exclusive chalet, high up above one of the most popular ski resorts in Europe. I was led into the open-plan living dining room. Fresh-cut logs were burning in the stone fireplace, wrapping me in a blanket of home comfort warmth. I'd been transported into another world of comfort and luxury, and I felt like curling up on one of the inviting sofas. I looked across at three or four well-presented children, eating their early dinner, prepared by their private chef, 
and presented by their attentive host, and promptly witnessed a bile-infused mash of peas and fish fingers being sprayed across the antique wooden dinner table by one of the eight-year-old boys. Okay then, bubble officially burst. There were tears, it was awkward. I felt like it was going to be one of those nights. The mother is off her face, the host whispered to me as I was setting up my gear. I'd noticed her regular trips to the bedroom since my arrival, and her comfortably numb demeanour confirmed her relationship with more than just her husband. Eventually everyone settled around me on the couches, and I began my set. Some covers, some requests. One manically and almost embarrassingly polite mother on one side, another comatose mother on the other. Two dads, who I secretly believe were quite entertained by the whole experience, and a gaggle of puke-spattered children. I caught the eye of a nine-year-old boy sitting to my right. Play Rage Against the Machine, he barked. You know what? I do love that band, but unfortunately it's not in my repertoire, I offered gently. Why not? he jolted, anger spreading across his forehead. Well, I'm sorry I'm not a jukebox, you little shit, I thought. How about Let It Be from Frozen? His look of indifference mixed with irritation and just a flash of confused excitement pretty much summed up the whole evening. At some point in mid-January, the inevitable happened. It got crazy cold. My soothsayer friend, I am now convinced he is a witch, became vindicated as the little thermometer I had hung in my van bottomed out at minus 10 degrees. I would add here that it had been a progressive thing to a certain degree, and it certainly didn't feel like a sudden shock, but minus 10 did feel like another level. I was on double hot water bottles by this point, and it had been plenty warm enough to sleep, other than the fact that my covers were now so numerous that I felt pinned to my bed by the weight of it all. I woke up one day to find my toothpaste was frozen, and it had to be warmed up to squeeze any out. I then discovered that a frozen brie sandwich is actually rather edible as breakfasts go, particularly when washed down with hot tea, which had been unquestionably my saviour all season long, as if this Brit needed any more reasons to love a cuppa. My van door was frozen shut, along with the side window, which was also my only emergency exit, both of which had to be encouraged for a few minutes before emancipation. Probably most interestingly, the cup of wee that had been the product of my reluctance to walk to the toilet block during my midnight comfort break was now holding my attention as a solid orange ice cube perched on the sideboard of my van kitchen. No chance of spilling it, at least, I concluded. Some weeks later, I'd settled into a comfortable routine. Gigs had become more regular, and I was even starting to save some money, the holy grail in freelance music, I've realised. I was out on the mountain whenever I could be, and playing my music in the evenings. What a wonderful existence, an enormous privilege. Sure, you have moments of discomfort, but I've always thought that in many ways life is most keenly lived when riding up and down the waves. You can try and control the size of the waves, but ultimately there is a balance. Reminding yourself in every tough moment that beauty and happiness are somewhere a little farther down the road, then being present in every moment of beauty and happiness with the understanding that life will inevitably throw you a curveball. In early March, the curveball was thrown and all the ski resorts were closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. My work as a musician immediately evaporated, and my life turned a bizarre corner. Just another wave, I thought to myself. Not even my friend the witch saw that one coming.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode three, series one of Jazzology. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do take the time to like and follow it on whichever platform you're listening on. All these stories can be found at jeremyjohnson.co.uk along with all my music, tour dates, merchandise and much more. So do go and check that out. You can keep bang up to date by following me on social media at Jeremy John Songs across all platforms. Until next time, this has been Jazzology and I've been Jeremy Johnson. Thank you.